Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com and find them at FDIC at booth 2540. This podcast is brought to you by Flex 7 from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit tenkatafabrics.com slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by Enforced Technology, only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Since 1972, Braun Industries has been a custom ambulance manufacturer focused on safety, quality, and innovation. Each Braun module is unique well beyond the chassis it's built on. With six ambulance models, limitless features, and all customizable options, let Braun assist you in designing the perfect custom ambulance to suit your needs. Learn more at www.brawnambulances.com. I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Now remember, given the payday, as you've been accounted for, okay? 610 that was the main date, 610 I'm out uh, here, we got a fire. One and a half story, single family dwelling, fire shown from the second floor, give me a second alarm on this. See up there, top floor, I got people hanging out the top floor windows with a baby. Commercial building, uh, a lot of fire, a lot of smoke, go ahead and strike a third alarm on my orders on this. Got people on the front fire escape here with windows nothing below them, we need somebody up there. Yeah, let them know we got a job, I'm pulling up now. Second alarm, I got a one-story single-family frame, heavy fire showing from the attic. So we're using all hands. We got one line stretched, fire on the fourth floor, second line being stretched. Primary searches are underway. Hey, welcome back to our fire engineering podcast, The Command Post. I'm Chief Rick Lasky, and uh, usually along with my, my best buddy, Chief John Salka, but he is on the road, actually headed to see family. He's getting ready to go. They're getting ready to go spend some time Um with uh, Brian and Rachel out in Wichita. Brian's on the Wichita Fire Department, Wichita, Kansas, and great, great place. With we'll uh, we'll talk about some of the guys we know there in a second. So uh, John will be with us next time. But we've we've got a we've got a great guest. He's a longtime friend. We'll get to get to him in just one second. Um, uh, this this particular show, um, as with all of them, the command posts on fireengineering.com. You can go back into the archives. You can find any of the ones we've done before. Um, as you know. We don't work from a platform or a script or notes or anything like that. We just kind of we have, we have a couple ideas and then and then we run from there. But um, uh, if you're looking to to get us out to your place, just give us a shout. Uh, we'll give your emails at the end. We'd we'd love to come out and visit with you and be honored to do it. But our very special guest, guest our very special guest <laughs> is uh, I've never heard of a guest before. Um, <laughs> But our very special guest is Chief Scott Thompson from the Colony in Texas. Scott, welcome, buddy. Hi, Rick. Thanks for having me on. Oh, uh, buddy. So we we you and I have been together a long time. Um, long time. We met, we we I know you remember this for our for our, our listeners. You and I met 
a long time. You had just taken a chief's job at, in Lake City, in Lake, Lake, for Lake City, uh, Lake City's fire district in Texas, just on the north side of the bridge, Lake Louisville. Um, what what year was that? Because we were in Plano with you. Teach- yeah, well, I went through your saving your own program when you remember you brought that. That's where I met you originally. And then I went to Lake Cities in uh, 90, 98. Good God. Yeah, I was just saying, well, you and I met there because I still had that picture of us. Yeah. Uh, that we were there teaching. I think it was me, Sal, and was Curtis was Curtis, with you. Curtis. I'm trying to remember who else. I know it was me and Sal and Curtis, but it was a great day. That's when we first met. Yeah. And then, um, you were doing it, doing the saving our own in Plano, <laughs> one of the first ones you did in Texas. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You liked it, killed me. I remember that. <laughs> Along with a bunch of other people, but um, uh, it's it's a tough class when you go through it. But so we met then, and then uh, when I moved down in 2000 to take the chief's job in Louisville, you were still at Lake City as a chief, and I'll never forget this. Uh, we had a retirement going on in Louisville with the the existing training chief, and uh, you came by for a cup of coffee because you and I are both into we love mm-hmm. talking shop and having coffee and visiting, unlike some of the chiefs that hide in their offices with the doors yeah. closed and sandbags behind the doors and everything, but. Um, uh, we were visiting, and I remember you said, "Are, are you going to go outside? You think for, uh, for, for you know, for your training chief?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't know. We we, we might. I'm thinking we are because you know nobody really wanted to, to do it at the time there." And I'm I'm sitting to myself going, "God, would this be awesome if Scott Thompson wanted to be our training chief?" I tell that story all the time, Rick, and and one of the better decisions I've made in my career. Truth be well, told. Well, I just, we had a lot of fun. Went to a lot of fires, that, had a lot of fun. <laughs> when you asked that, I went, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like that that that's like that's like that's like somebody saying Aaron Judge wants to play on my baseball team. You know, it was you know, it was awesome. We had oh, a great team, didn't we? And we had a lot of fun. God, we had we had a great team, a lot of fires. A lot of fires. Flipped that training division, flipped that department. You did such an incredible job. Uh, we could talk about, well, let's talk. We, we could we, tell that all day. Talk about stories with Eddie guys, Eddie's guys building you the prop down there and uh, stuff, just all kinds of great stories. Well, Remember that? And it was a surprise. It was a surprise. And they wrecked their chief's brand new excursion. <laughs> to do it. They wrecked it sneaking out here with a trailer full of lumber from Virginia. Talking about Eddie Buchanan. <laughs> God, we love Eddie. But uh, so real quick, before I, a little thing popped in my head is, is remember you and I, when we talked about, uh, the, the concept of the big five when it came to training. Before we get to, we, I got a bunch of things I want to ask you, just pop it in my head right now. But, um, you know, it's, it's hard enough to train as it is now, Scott, as you know, with all the mandates and all the different things we got to get done. And, you know, if you're an EMS department, you got to insert, you know, especially ALS, you got to insert your EMS week in there. And then all your technical, it's so hard to balance all that. And, and you and I were always on the same sheet of music when it came to training our people, on what they need to know and training them on the stuff that will keep them alive. And we came up, remember with, with and I'll just say with the big five, yep. once a quarter, you had to do a, 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 you had to do a hose evolution an SCBA drill, a ladder drill, a rit drill mm-hmm. and a live, live firebird. And for all the state people that are listening to this, to, to this show, don't get upset with us, but you and I've always said, I don't care when, when, when's the last time we did shoots and ladders, you know, salvage covers. Salvage covers is important they are for salvage, and that's an important task we do. Have never saved a firefighter's life. We want to know that our guys know how to stretch. Our guys and gals know how to stretch lines, search on their hands and knees, throw ladders, wear an SCBA, drag a firefighter out, get them out of a jam, and, and be inside in zero reduced visibility, stay oriented. And um, I remember when we pitched the idea, it was like, 
you know, when I went to Calvin Allison, our union president, Calvin was a great guy. I said, so we want to switch from training Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays to six days a week. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me, I go, well, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, be multi-coming drills, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, be part two or whatever. And there was some hesitancy, but, you know, I think maybe it's the competitiveness, Scott, that you and I always appeal to with our guys. They took it and run with, ran with it, didn't they? I mean, they were they they had in fact they were training on top of the training, weren't they? They they were Rick, and and it, you're exactly right. And I think it was, but you know, and, and you always supported training, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to come be your training guy. You know, I went down from fire chief to training chief, but you supported it, and um, I think the guys started to realize the benefit of training that we weren't doing it as you know fill the time. It was quality training, and they saw the benefit. And things were going great at fires. And, and so they saw the payoff. And I really think that's what, what led to it is we weren't wasting our time. We weren't bringing them down for four hours and beating them to death. And and, and just to say we did it. And we, we still use it today. And, and I will tell you this, the the basic big five and what we call the uh, first five minutes, we came from Alan Brunacini used to say the first five minutes determine the next five hours are still the core of our training. And I'll ask some of my most senior captains, they'll say, uh, boss, that's that's the reason why things go well is those two training things right there. And, and you introduced me to the big five. But yeah, I think that's why they they um, really took it and ran with it because they saw the value of it. Well, the, like you say, the competitiveness, I mean, you and I, especially the colony, you've got some great people there and they fight fires. And I, when I say fight fires, they actually fight fires. They 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 <laughs> They actually do it, but when they do it, they fight it with a, a coordinated aggressiveness. We used mm -hmm. to say this, that our guys, both the county and Louisville, are a very safe, aggressive department. You know, they know when to go in, when not to go in, when to go, you know, stay in and when to, you know, to come out. But they get after it. And and I think that competitiveness, Scott, you know, guys, gals in the fire service, they want to do good. Who wants who wants to be on the, the, the you know, the, the shift, of, you know, with the buffoons? You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like Nobody wants to be last place. Yeah. And just like you said, all of a sudden now, Every sudden, all of a sudden now, lines are stretching better. Guys are searching better. Command is doing it. And and I think all we did, you and I, was just kind of like uh, fluff the sheets, if you will. It was like all of a sudden it was like we set a little structure to it. Give it a little structure. Explain the why. This is why we want to do it. And like you said, the men and women of the organization took it and did the rest. And you support everything I came and asked you for. You you gave me and I took it down there and at the uh, the training field and, and the guys just did magic with it. Well, nothing good or great happens without training in our business. You know that. You know we've been we've been looking at line of duty that's for a long time, and a lot of times, sometimes bad stuff happens. We understand it, and great firefighters, you know, are, are on the top, are on the roof right now, up in heaven, you know, looking down at us and helping us. But uh, quite often, you know, that whole saying, you know, New York City, I think it was Rescue One had the saying on the wall, I might rescue one, rescue three, I think it's rescue one, don't let the go support training come back to haunt you. And and so it was all about, let, you know, let's concentrate with the limited amount of time we have, Scott, on what our, our people need to to know to be well. But uh, I mean, it, it was just, it was fun. And then I, I think, I, I think I, when you went to the colony as chief, I told someone there when they called me, um, you know, <laughs> when you were in the process and I said, number one, I can't be partial. If, you, if you're asking me to be objective and partial, I can't because I, I love this guy. Number two, I don't I don't know who I'm more excited for. You know, yeah. the, the people that live in the colony or the firefighters or or for Scott Thompson. I don't know, you know, because <laughs> Scott, you and I, and maybe we could talk about this for a little bit. 
Yeah. There's a lot of bosses out there that don't get it. And there, there's a lot of great ones. And, and you and I have talked about this plenty of times where, you know, it's like you've heard me talk about the squeaky hinge, right? All day long, the doors you know, squeak, squeak, squeak. It's always that bottom hinge, if you know, building construction and, and how we get. And it just, and fire, I mean, that whole, all day long, it's driving you crazy, that one hinge. But but there's two other hinges that do the same and equal amount of work, and you never hear from them. And and there's just under 40,000 fire departments in the United States. That means there's thousands of great chief officers. There's a couple of misfits. But Scott, a lot of guys can't. I don't think they they know how to pull it together. I think they, I don't know whether it's ego or they're uncomfortable or we don't train them or we don't give the tools, but you just, speaking of training, I just saw, you know, I always talk about dream training facilities. You know, you go somewhere, you go, God, I wish I had this. God, when I was a train ship, I wish I had this. You just, now explain, is, is that in the works or is it approved? Or I saw these my God, this training facility, t- talk about that for a second. So give you just a little backstory. You know, land in the in the colony, as it is in Louisville and everywhere else, is, is worth a million dollars a square foot. So we have literally, we call it the training yard because it's so small. It's 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 a half, it's a it's a half an acre. And we have some props on it right now, and it's by our shop. And uh, what we did is, and, and it goes right back to what we were talking about, the big five. What we did is we have a bunch of individual props out there right now that the guys use to practice the big five. And uh, one of my battalion chiefs, Garrett Rice, who's a ship battalion, he's also our training guy. We don't have a full-time training guy. Uh, we started talking about about doing this, and um, and it was a vision. So uh, Todd Shepard uh, with with uh, Fireforge, um, he's out of um, – oh, um, Oh, I can't think where he, Columbus, we got talking to him and, and we, we we were trying to figure what can we fit on this little bitty piece of, pro- I mean, Rick, you wouldn't believe how small it is. Yeah, yeah. And, and the dog, the dog park is on one side. And so uh, working with Todd and his folks, we were able to get this, this, uh, it's, it's nine containers, it's three stories high. And we told him what we wanted to be able to train on. And, um, and he built us a prop and the, the price was reasonable. And so right now, so the stuff we have on there now to get through the code was was classified as playground equipment. So all the existing stuff out there now, <laughs> that's how we got through the permitting process. So the project right now is well, going it, through. It, it is. It is. It's a playground for firefighters. So <laughs> so right now it's going through the city permitting process. Uh, it was a pretty easy sell. You know, I've been there 14 years and, and we've had a strong history of training and my boss knows that, and and everybody who saw us out at the existing yard would see us out there all the time. And so uh, when we asked for it, um, the boss gave us some money, and it was going to be a couple phases. This is just phase one. And so uh, he gave us the money for it, and, and we got these containers ordered. And as soon as we clear this permitting process, you know, they can put those things in in about three or four days, uh, but it does all the things that, that we wanted to do. So um you know, it, it took a while to get it and 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 um, to show that we were serious about train because, you know, a lot of people build these huge facilities and they never use them, never use them. Or if they go out, they use the parking lot. They never go in the in the building. And, and right. so uh, we wanted to make sure that because the space is so small that we were able to do the things that we wanted to do so we can do some some mid rise stuff. It's going to have a standpipe, some stairs. The first floor is set up what we call our fox boxes, those small fox and Jacob Holmes. You've been a lot of fires over here in those. And uh, so it, it's doing a little bit of everything that, that we want to do. We're very excited about it. And we think we're going to have a have a good good prop when we're done. 
Isn't it amazing though what they can do with those containers nowadays? It used to be like, well, we got a container out there. Well, maybe we could burn. It is absolutely phenomenal what they. I mean, there are some incredible training facilities that are. I mean, you know, it used to be. I remember in Darien Woodruff, we built ours all brick and more, the whole thing. We had the confined space prop. We had the burn room. We had everything, the multi-store, all that stuff. And it was, it was, I'm like, you know, we were trying to rub two nickels together to make a quarter. And and I, you and I get to travel. We see some incredible. And that's yeah. when I saw this. I was so excited. I saw this. I'm like, I'm blowing up the pictures, looking at the different rooms and stuff. Because now I want to go back to something you said. All these places that build these great training facilities and never use them. I'm going to throw that back on the shoulders of the train officer. Maybe the chief, well, I doubt very few chiefs allow you to build that and they say don't use it. I think there's a lot of train officers out there that don't know how to use it, Scott. And you've got to, you and I, oh my God, you give us that. Look at what we, we gave you in Louisville, which was a rundown facility. It, it would be cool. And we, it, but it was the nicest in the area and it was one of the few that we could do live firing. Yeah, and all of a sudden we turn that into something special. It's incredible now with Seth doing his all sauls class among everything else. So these, I mean, to, to our listeners, don't ever look past that and go, we have to build like this Taj Mahal. You can build a Taj Mahal. In fact, there, I think there's sometimes more you could do with those, more configuration. I see some stuff, I go, Good God Almighty, this is incredible. And, especially and you can like, change them out, you know, oh. in one burn. Remember, remember, we had the problem in Louisville. We had, we had the damage from because the fires were too hot. Yeah. And we had to condemn part of the building, put those 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 um uh pieces of uh, uh I forgot what it's called, the, the fire resistive stuff. But these these containers, if you burn one up, you pick it up and put another one in. Oh, and, and so many places are right? that's the word I was looking for. Exactly. Building that to where that's the whole process is once you burn one up. That allows you to smoke and heat everything else. You just get rid of it and get another one. And and I think you pay more sometimes to replace the panels, you know, in your burn building than you do for a whole trailer full with those panels. I'm just saying. I mean, just we're doing our whole project for under half a million bucks. Oh, and so we have the land that doesn't include land. So now, if somebody wanted to see, um, I know it's on your face. You shared on your Facebook page. But it, did 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 you guys post that anywhere else? If one of our listeners wanted to check it out, or should they just go to your Facebook? Page? Yeah, just mine because I'm I'm not allowed to have a city fire department page. They don't want every department to have a page. So I'll send or or Todd Shepard with Forge Fire. I'm sure he's got it on his site. Is he the one that posted it and you shared it? Or yeah, yes, it? yes, yes. Okay, okay. So you know, just just go, go to Chief Scott Thompson's uh, Facebook yeah. page. You'll find it uh, if you're looking. For some ideas. Or send me an email, uh, you know, look up my email in the colony and I'll get it to you. Oh, that is it. I'm just telling you, um, I, I saw that and I, I got excited because there's so many places out there that don't have anything to train on, you know, yeah. let alone how do you pull that off, you know. Um, so let's talk about, let's talk about that a little bit here before we get too far down the road. Um, I don't know if there's a lot of guys and gals out there, Scott, that are wearing the five trumpets, the chiefs that don't know, they don't, I don't think they've wrapped their arms around the finesse they need at city hall um, to go in and justify things. And one of the things we've talked about on our, our hump day hangout that, that you're on our team, you know, with us. Um, I think I told you that one time I went, they flew me into this place to help. Uh, I think you've heard the story before. I want to repeat it for our listeners. They flew me in to help, um, a chief justify another firehouse with more people, so on and so forth. And flights were delayed. I get in, I get right to the count. I walk in with a council meetings in pro process, progress. And uh, 
and I sit down and the chief gets up to the podium and some council member says, um, you know, he says, well, chief, he says, I understand you want to spend this much on a firehouse. You have to hire this many people. You have to buy apparatus. This is like starting all over again with a lot of stuff. Uh, but the, the data I have in front of me, chief, says that fires are down in the United States. The fire, you know, fires are down. Shouldn't we go be going backwards, actually? If, if fires are down and the majority of your work is EMS, you know, shouldn't we be looking? And 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 this guy, and I think this has to do, Scott, with a lot of the, the lack of training and preparation we do for chief officers. You know, the law enforcement has whole programs on how to market their mission. They take chiefs of police and they sit them down. And they go, this is how you have to go to city hall. This, uh, we don't really do that. Or we, or we don't do it well. So he, Scott, he says, he says that his councilman, he says, well, councilman, you see, we're the insurance policy that you never want to use. And I went, Oh my God, I want, I want the, I want the, I want to club them like a baby seal. I just was like, you gotta be, I, I love baby seals. Don't get me wrong. That's a joke. I want to hit them with a halogen. How about that? But I'm like, did you just say we're the insurance policy? I said, well, so you've heard me say this before. What he should have said was, Councilman, you know, what years are you looking at? Because this guy was looking back to the late 70s and 80s till now, the heydays of when they were. I, how about just looking back the last 20, 25 years or 30 years? How about we just do that for right now and see what that takes us? And you know what you're going to find? And this is a fact. You know, you, you, you tell this council member, dollars, dollars lost to fire are, are at an all time high. The call volume uh, numbers are down, but dollars lost to fire. Civilian fire deaths are not going down. You know, exactly. We we lose over th- roughly over 3,000 people a year. We've done a show on that before. Um, if you look back in the past 30 years, I think it was only three years, 28, 26, maybe 2,500. There's 36, 32, 31. So you go U.S. Fire Administration, they post those numbers. But, but, but yeah, okay, the numbers are down, but the dollars lost to fire – you know, the quicker we can get somewhere, the more strategically we play. You've been doing this in the county. The more strategically we place firehouses. Let's talk about, yeah, the more joy we do as EMS. Wouldn't you want us there quicker for, for your loved one who's not breathing or whatever? I mean, you know, so maybe we don't have to build a nine-bay station. Maybe we can build a substation, a houses, an engine, ambulance, maybe a spare rig, you know, whatever. But, uh you know, we, we we never build them big enough for what we have. We never build them enough storage, by the way. But that's right another day. But yeah. I mean, I, Scott, I was like, and I I, I actually felt bad with him because I'm looking at this guy; he's a good guy. But who, you know, I mean, you look at where where's the preparation? Unless you sit through a, a hour and forty five minute breakout at, at, at a conference that helps you that finesse that you need to be able to stand toe to toe with God bless our, our partner, you know, the police chief. But I was just amazed. That's what you said. We're the insurance policy you never want to use. And, and, you know, we're all about data, you and I, and, and, you know, statistics give us our backing, but I just think Scott, there's a lot of people that just aren't sure how to, I think maybe it's an intimidation thing, or I don't know if you've got any thoughts on, I just, I think they missed their mark when they go in and fight for stuff. No, you're exactly right, Rick, and, and I think it's a combination of things. First of all, I think there's a lot of fire chiefs that don't understand fire operations. They they don't know how to connect all the dots. You know, they know we need a fire truck and we need this and that. But, you know, I said this on one of our previous hump days. If you think about it, the largest investment made in any fire department organization is our firefighting and fire rescue capabilities. We don't spend more money on anything 
uh, you know, beyond that with, with the fire trucks and the SCBAs and thermal imagers. So that's number one. You know, if we want to show a return on investment, let's get really, really good at using that stuff, maximizing it to, to save lives and, and, and protect property. But I don't think a lot of chiefs know how to do that. That's why they're so uncomfortable with writing assignments and developing operating guidelines that have, you know, pre-arrival considerations. They, they don't know what that looks like. So I, I think that's number one. Number two is they don't have a vision, you know, that they go after the ISO and they get that. That's kind of low-hanging fruit. If you have enough money and, and people to do that, right. you know, and then they're going to go get all these these camp programs. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those, but they're not they're not specific as much to the organization. So if you don't have a vision that you can articulate to your bosses every day, it's, it's putting a puzzle together, right? We, we need this, then we need this, then we need this. I mean, it took me 14 years to get to where we are now, but I always followed the same vision and we would make adjustments at the time. So the boss is hearing a consistent message. He's not hearing something different every budget year because it's the latest or greatest. And I think that's where a lot of fire chiefs struggle. The other thing is, you know, I don't think a fire chief knows how to articulate what success looks like in our industry other than response times, you know, right. and and uh, I personally think, I think fires are going to go up. You talk about lithium ion batteries, the, the way they're building buildings now, just social responsibility of people taking care of stuff. I, I'm, I'm getting our guys ready for an increase in fire work, still do a lot of prevention stuff and public education, but but those things are going to continue. So I think you got to sell it. And I'll and some people may disagree with this, but one of the things I told my boss on day one is don't compare us to the police department. I said, we're public safety, but we have two totally different missions. And so I don't want this, you know, tit for tat thing. And, and that's helped us in the long run. But I just don't think a lot of fire chiefs understand the long game to where they can communicate it to the members of their organization but also the city leadership where it makes sense and they see how all the pieces fit together. Does the, you think that's, that's, that's well, maybe a part I, of no, it? I, I think you're right on. I think they drive around and they don't see a whole lot of smoke in the air and they're, you know, they get caught up in, you know, what do I have to cut next? And, you know, budgets and all that stuff and so on and so forth. And, and it's all very true and genuine for a lot of people with, you know, maybe city city admin that is trying to get you to be good, uh, Respons responsible wise, fiscally wise, you know, to make sure you're doing what you can with what you already have, which I'm a big one on. You need to be able to do more with what you already have before you, you do more with less, but maximize those capabilities. Oh, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, nobody cares. I, I told, uh, I, I told this one County administrator, um, I, I said, you know, you have two, you know, <laughs> this was a, a, a place where uh, I, I referred to their engines. You heard me say, it says engine couples, because they were they were they were two person engines, and this is no reflection on on the guys and gals that make up those two person crews. Because you think they want three, four, five? Absolutely. But I said, so let's let's look at right now, Scott. What did you spend on your latest pumper? Oh gosh, pumpers now are nine nine hundred thousand dollars. So okay, you spend nine hundred thousand dollars on a pumper. You put two firefighters on. They drive to a house. Mom's screaming. My baby, my baby, my kid, my whatever. And you go well. We're going to get them out as soon as we can. I have to wait for another pumper to drive here from another firehouse in their still district. So we have enough people to go in because there's just two of us. On. You drove a nine, you just shy of a million dollar thing on rubber, rubber tires to that, that apartment building or that residence or that business with two people. 
And I, and I said, so if you're okay with that, you're a better person than I am, you know. And they go back to the whole, you know, well, we only have one you know, officer patrol cars. Yeah, but there's a lot more of them. I, I'm just, you know, I, I like what you said that we, we both love our law enforcement partners. Yeah. And we both provide public safety. I've always said the same thing you said. We just have two different avenues to get there. So you can't really compare us to what they do or they to what we do. Um, we both serve a purpose. There's times where we're going, where's PD? Well, you got ETN PD. We need PD here now. And there's been times where they're going, is FD in route? Is FD in route? You know, so so we both we both do things that are needed. But uh, but here's another question. Here's another question, Rick. I mean, what is enough fires? I mean, to me, if a fire department goes to one fire a year, that's a pretty big freaking deal to the people who host that fire, right? Right. They shouldn't have to suffer because we say fires are down and we're an EMS department that occasionally goes to fires. We're still driving that $900,000 pumper. We're still wearing $7,000 of protective clothing. I mean, what is that magic number before we start taking fire seriously and, and maximizing all the stuff that you mentioned? You know, and, and then two is tough to do, but I think a lot of departments right now are struggling with that three going to four person staffing. Right. But then you talk to them. And, and they get that fourth person staffing and they weren't any better than when they had three because they don't train, you know, they're, it's it's just another person taking up a seat and they're still mopes trying to figure out how to, how to do it, you know? And, and I don't want this to sound arrogant at all, but I'm, I'm going to just, because it, it connects the pieces, but I'm at a point now where I'm going to my boss and say, boss, for 14 years, we've been committed to training. I believe we have maximized the system to the best of our ability the only way we can do more is if we get that fourth person right? and that we have trained and we have shown and we got the numbers and the data and we just did, you know, remember we did the company preparedness drills in Louisville. We just did them here and we're getting data like we can do tasks, you know, 48 seconds faster, a minute and a half faster. And, and so having that kind of information, but if I just add another person on the rig and you're not getting anything more than four people showing up instead of three, well, no wonder you're having issues. Yeah, exactly. Because, the same people you said before that don't understand writing assignments, tool assignments, you know, seat assignments, because they're intimidated. You know, I, I always thought I always thought it made it made a chief's job a lot easier. Uh, both of us love Jerry Wells. Jerry Wells, battalion chief of Louisville, retired, teaches out there. Dad was a at lunch with him the other day, Rick. Yeah, Dad was a legendary, you know, BC in, in Dallas, and his dad's another one of those guys that probably be insulted that you call him a legend, but he was very much loved there and respected. But I remember, I don't know if you remember this one, uh, we had uh, the apartments uh, uh, over there uh, off, of, off of Bel Air, and uh, we had a good fire, good second alarm fire, and uh, Jerry comes back, walks in my office, he goes, I think I've arrived. I go, what do you mean? He goes, this is the extent of my orders this morning. He's, I think I've arrived as a BC. He goes, this is the extent of my orders. I got out, I went, oh, hey, oh, oh, oh. Oh. I go, isn't it cool? Where your guys know what they're supposed to do. And Nicole, when the first, I mean, you and I have said this for years. You, you could ask either one of our rookies. I'll pick, I'll pick on Lewis home. You know, what do we send a one alarm? Three engines, you know, an ambulance with two firefighter paramedics, a tower ladder of five guys, a battalion chief of the day, and a safety officer. Okay, well, the first engine attacks a fire. Second engine assures the first engine has a positive water source. All right, after that, they bring a second line. Second line can back up. Second line can cover exposure. Second line can fight fires. Third engine is the RIT team. Truck gets there. Uh, captain is jumps. You got a fourth century search team. Driver is part of the vent team. Fifth guy is the outside vent man. Ambulance pulls over. Unless there's a patient, they park it. Driver runs down, helps the drivers make his hydro. Other one's assignable. 
you know, the captain is driving the BC, handles his tactics board, handles his accountability board, talks because you shove the BC starts running. Say, I mean, all that stuff done, done. You, but it took you two minutes. It took you less than two minutes. If I'm a new person in a department to explain how we deploy on a, on a single family dwelling. But I, I hear from chiefs all the time. Well, you're, you know, you're, 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 you're not having your people think critically and are not being problem solvers or becoming robots. I can tell you, if, if I even mentioned in the colony about going back to the way we did things, I'd have a, I've had mass exodus <laughs> and we have people now, you know, everybody's struggling with this recruitment and retention, Rick. We just, we just hired one person. We had 140 applicants. We took 20 to the interview and they, they there's a good portion of them. It's always quality training and they like the riding assignments. They like the engine and truck deployment model. They want to know what they're going to be doing because they want to get good at yeah, it. Yeah. And, and imagine if the Yankees said, okay, whose turn is it to pitch tonight? Oh, I had <laughs> pitched in six games, you know? No other organized uh, activity does it like that. But in the fire service, we're sticking to this. Everybody should be able to do everything well. And as you and I know from traveling around, guys don't know how to throw ladders. They don't know how oh. to stretch a line. They can't force a commercial door. They're they're not even going to attempt vertical ventilation. And, and I, you know, I don't get it. But no, I think th it goes back to what you said with the hesitancy due to training and knowledge. And I'm like, you know, I, you and I've said this for 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 decades, and not in a a downgrading manner. But if you let your firefighters play firefighter, let them play firefighter, let them do their jobs. You know, I mean, you know, and I'm I'm not saying New York City or Chicago <clears throat> are perfect, but they do a lot of things right. I mean, they do a lot of things right. And and John always jokes, we're just at Georgetown, Texas. What you know, George, great great yeah, people, great bunch great of folks. bosses. And you know, he was talking. So the whole day, you know, what he does. Engine guy making front of the truck guy. Truck, you know, he goes back and forth hammering, you know, why do truck guys cut holes real so they can see what the real firefighters are doing? Ha ha ha, all that stuff. You know, we go back and forth, but but at the same time, he's actually enforcing what you just said. You know, when he says, I have I have truck guys that that don't know we bring water to the fire. They think the fire just goes up and I'm showing up. I have engine guys that don't know that truck guys come, you know, just you know, they're task oriented. And you and I've said this how many times it comes a line of duty that's when we don't stay on task, when we don't stay, ta you know, when we deviate, some may call it freelancing. I, I call sometimes it's hyperness. People just can't, instead of just like Curtis Burt, Curtis, our, our good friend, the, the chief down, the ops chief down in uh, Pearland, working for yeah. Jay Taylor. When Curtis was up from, you know, Lloyd Scott, I remember sent him to the roof of the fire. And I look, I turn around, he's downstairs pulling the ceiling. I said, Curtis, I said, put a hole in the roof. And he, look, he looks me and he points up. He'd already cut a hole in the roof came down, met with the ops. He got another assignment. He didn't just freelance. He, you know, he knew that once he came down, what do you need now? Holes cut, you know, got working off of tasks. But when it's the bag of marbles hits the ground and you just, you said it before, watch the video. Some of these videos, it's like, oh my God, it's definitely, I mean, it's an old phrase. The right hand does it, what the left hand's doing. And th these are people's homes that are on fire. Some of them have their lives. They have people, family who are trapped. And and there's no there's no time for us to say we'll be better next time. We don't get do overs, you know. And I, Rick, I had a chief that you and I both know. When I was talking about this, he was anti the way that Colony and Louisville do everything, and he said, "You mean to tell me I can't expect my members, all my members, to pull a hose and throw a ladder?" And I said, "That sums it up right there. That <laughs> that, that statement sums it up right there." But you know as well as I do, if you're riding a truck, you're sizing up the building differently than if you're riding the engine. You're thinking about different things, right? 
And, and you know, these chiefs are quick to say, well, vertical ventilation is too dangerous and, and all these. And if somebody falls through the roof, they said they never should have been on the roof. Yet the, the problem was those guys haven't been on the roof in seven years. They, they don't know anything about the roof. And now they're assigned to the roof. They fail at that position. It's not a matter of vertical vent. It's a matter of putting unrehearsed people in a very dangerous position. Everything we do has risk. Like, right. Let's give right. our people an advantage and let them mentally prepare for that stuff before they have to do it. It brings down the anxiety level, which plays into that whole survival stress reaction thing. You know what you faced with John Wright on on, on Flower Mound when, when you brought you know he was he was experiencing that. All those things are real deals, but the fire chiefs don't understand that. Some of them, not I, all of them. I think some of them, and I, and I agree with you. But it, 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 going back to what you said earlier, too, it's like. I just think it works so much better, Scott. When if you're the first, if you're the first two engine, you go, we're first two. We got the fire. Second two is going to make sure I have water. I mean, why would you not say? I mean, why would you have to? Especially with some of these guys that have a BC that's not. I'm I'm, I'm three minutes out. I'm I'm two minutes out. I'm like, really? What does that have to do? Park your car, get out, or get your command board and get your Corella set out. Whatever you have to do, and start do marking up papers and boards or do what you got to do. But God, if the first engine doesn't know what they're supposed to inv investigate and or attack the fire, in order for us to have a sustainable fight in our firefight, we need water. Well, the second new engine, need, if, if, you know, like you, you, how many times we heard this, you know, um, one of your engines or little, little engine five will say uh, engine five is on a hydrant. Doesn't mean they're on a hydrant sitting there looking at it. That means the hydrant has been flushed. It's plugged into the rig and they have water coming out of the hydrant into their pump, into the impellers of their pump. And that tells the second engine, okay, we don't have to worry about getting them, you know, drop, laying a line to them or laying out from them or whatever, you know, you know, being able to, 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 to show that sustainability with our, with our, with our water, know what we could do with tank water, but with our water, I, I just don't get the third engine getting there pretty quick, especially when on top of each other's rent, the truck. If you know, I, you know, you look at the seat, you go, okay, I'm, I'm in this seat. I know what I'm doing today for this, 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 or this. I just think it makes the whole process easier, not complicated. But you know what the fad is now, the popular thing, and you know my respect for Alan Brunacini. Right. But the blue card thing now, Rick, is taking us back to the battalion chief assigns everything. Everybody goes to staging and has to be told. And, and I, I've hired two people that are very experienced firefighters. One of them, as a matter of fact, is getting recognized in Houston by the 100 Club for a grab. But one of the reasons he left is to get away from that blue card system because he was on the first in truck. They were staged. Nobody brought him into the fire with people trapped. And so we're almost moving that other direction. But again, now I got a nice package program. I don't have to put myself out there. I teach my guys this and I'm safe, right? I'm covered. So we're moving in the other direction on that boss. And we're in, we're in the minority as far as uh, pre-arrival in an engine truck deployment model in the suburbs. You know, they do it in the big cities, but in the suburbs, that's a tough, tough fight. Well, and, and I agree, you know, we've talked about this before as well, that we need to train our people to do everything. So, so you know, one truck, two truck, three trucks, whatever, as busy as you guys all are working together, automatic aid, mutual aid, you know, it, your closest truck company could be next town over, be away or whatever, Everybody, you know, you need to be able to grab an engine. Engine three, when you get here, I need you to do the primary. Engine three, when you get here, I need the roof over. They need to be trained in dual purpose. You know what I'm saying? All that kind of stuff. And you can still get that done. If you're back with the, if you're training your people, I mean, good God, you know, train your people on how to stretch hose. How much water comes out of the nozzles? 
you know, how to stretch hose. How, the, right, the faster we get water delivered to the seed of fire, the quicker our problem goes away. The faster, the faster. Safely, efficiently, speed comes with efficiency. Efficiency comes with training, training with muscle memory. Boom, boom, boom. Same thing. If I, I just don't know when it got so complicated, Scott, that we can't train our people on, let's talk fire behavior, let's talk building construction, and then let's get to stretch in line. Let's talk ventilation. Let's talk search. Let's start throwing ladders. You know, there are some places that are so busy jumping out of helicopters or carabiners that they you've watched and they can't stretch hose into a building. They can't, you know, watch the YouTube videos. They walk around at a fire, like John would say, like they're at a picnic instead of a rapid pace, like we talk about the guys from Stockton who work at a rapid pace. Your guys, Lewis, I mean, you know, they 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 move with purpose instead of like a dazed and confused look. And in the absence of good, strong leadership, in the absence, you know, if you, I guess there you go. We got clean cabs working on everything else. We need to we mean we need to make command caps and put a, a little little like go back to the telephone booth. They used to have an FDNY for the extra guy and the ladder trucks, and put an insect commander. So every single engine pulls up has a boss that can tell everybody what to do. And I and I, I you know and obviously I'm being extremely sarcastic, but you and I both agree, Scott. Firefighters are some of the most progressive, some of the most creative, some of the smart, most smart, very oh. smart people. Smart, some of the most fascinating people out there. They want to be led. They're screaming to be led. They want they want labor contracts. They want rules and regulations. They want SOPs, SOGs. They want you to tell them what to do, and they want you to get the hell out of the way. When we get in their way, they stumble. When when, when chief officers get in the in, in the way of their people and doing their jobs, their duties, you know the micromanager, the people that just can't. You know, are they going to make a mistake every now and then? Are they going to pull up? Yeah, that, that we I think we all done we all done that, but. What, there is a town, one of the many towns next to you, I actually played a recording in class, where the battalion chief tells the truck crew, during the day, it's a big house over there, tells the, tells the truck crew, cut me, cut, me a, <laughs> cut me a hole on the leeward side of the roof. And and I, I wanted to go, so he must be in his, in, the, in his fire vehicle with his latte machine and all his like this. Three blocks away. You're three blocks away looking at an Insta book. If you got to tell your guys to cut a hole on the leeward side of the roof, I, you know, I'm just saying. Why do you have truck bosses and engine bosses, right? We can order we can order them to the roof, but not on the roof, right? That's a truck boss. Yeah. He decides if they go on or not, where they that, cut, how they that's cut, right. that's how many right. we're going to cut. If you don't train them, if you don't yeah. take the time to train them. But I think it goes back to, again, and I'm not trying to knock, because there's some great chiefs out there. There, there are. There are. Great. Like I said, there's thousands of great ones, a couple of nitwits, but when they're limited in their experience. So, you you know, someone who was a good firefighter, was a decent company officer, was a decent battalion chief, maybe a deputy assistant, makes chief of department, you know, and, and maybe especially for a department that may not go to as many fires, which the majority, the majority of the fire departments in the country, you know, if you want to get to just under 40,000. Okay, the majority don't go that many fires if you want to count fires. You know what I'm saying? I'm mm -hmm. just saying some are busier than others. Now, even more so, you know, it's like they have this 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 chokehold on on the troops. And I think you know, you and I see it, we teach and consult that guys are frustrated. They're like, just let me do my job. Just let me show up. Just let me, you know. And but it goes back to training, Rick. And and you started it out. So there we all want to be safe. And these chiefs tout a safety culture, clean cabs and all that other stuff, name of safety, yet they don't support training. Name one thing 
that impacts safety more than training. I, I can't think of one. Nothing. And I think Chief Salka would agree with us because I know he said it. Nothing is more important in training. Yet they do the minimum training a month, the four hours, they check the box, and they move on. And everything takes priority over training. Well, you can't say you are a safely operated department if training is not a huge part of what you do. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll debate that all day long. Scott, some of the guys we run with, our circle of friends, we've told the stories. You know, I, I was just telling at Georgetown when uh, John brought up, he goes, tell the story from 235 Engine. When Curtis and I years ago, one of the many times we were in New York City riding out, you've been out there a bunch of times yourself. And I'm riding 235 Engine. John Cullen's a, Cullen is a lieutenant. He was on a squad as a firefighter with John, when John was a lieutenant in the squad, squad, D squad, squad one. Chief Dennis Cross was uh, Battalion 57 that day, got killed, acting deputy on 9-11. That firehouse, we went to 14 fires in 12 hours. I still had the still training. training. Okay. And I remember, remember we talked about this. At midnight in those firehouses is like noon. They're they're all having coffee, sitting with their, I know not supposed to, but sit with their bunker pants on because they go to so many calls. And John Cullen goes, and you've heard me tell this story before, I think. He goes, Hey, Rick, tell my guys, uh, explain to my guys about the lover's knot. They call the handcuff knot, the lover's knot. So I talked about the handcuff knot and, and, and the story behind John Nance. This is at 2.30 in the morning. 2.30. And Scott, what do they do? All of a sudden, we get up. for the. Now, we were tying the knot at the table. We get up at, at, at 2.30 in the morning. We're on the, 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 the apparatus bay floor, and they're hauling guys up through the fire pole hole. The only guys would be, like, grieving you know, uh, we, you know, uh, we were training at two. I mean, I, I'm telling you, and, and and again, I keep saying we've said this so much because we, you and I, do so many shows together. Why is it always the departments that run the most fires do the most training, and the departments that run the least do the least? You would think it'd be the opposite. The departments we know, Scott, that run their wheels off fighting fires train the most, and the ones who run the least train the least. It should be the opposite. But when you watch some of those guys, it's almost like, scientific. You're exactly right. Oh, you watch those guys, Scott, and and your guys in Louisville's. You know, we did John. And I did that show a while back. Why do you always talk about? Why do you always talk about Stockton, California, Wichita, Kansas, Louisville, the county, place like that? Because because they they got their shit together. They train, they train, they train, they train, they train. You know, I like that kind of competitiveness. I like the guys that go. You know what? Nobody look. We pull up, but they're coming on the corner. We're getting water on the fire first. We, we want to get there safely, quickly and safely, because you don't cut response times by driving fast, slow, fast, slow. You cut response times by getting out the door quickly, you know, being prepared and all that stuff. But also, but, if I know those big five really well, that doesn't take my attention. I'm not so focused on stretching a line, throwing a ladder. Try, it's, it's, it's second nature, and I oh. can pay, pay attention to the conditions. I can listen. I, I can, you know, do all the other things that I need to do that are oh. really going to challenge me. I'm not so freaked out about doing a search. A guy can walk up to you. What do you need, Chief? You know, because they're saying, "Go, you know what, I, Rick? I need a primary on a third." I got the second go, and I'm already putting my mask on, nodding, talking like, like I'm putting a stocking cap on in wintertime. Like I'm putting my 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 my. It's what we do. It's just, just what like, we do. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So yeah. Third floor. Okay. Good. Anybody else? Okay. We're all right. We got we got division three search for you. Gotcha. Boy. Boom. Off we go. But when you have somebody who's, you know, flipping around and trying to grab this and look at their, you know. All that now. Once in a while, you got to check. Maybe your straps twist and stuff. But when when you when there when there's a lack of muscle memory, when there's a lack of redundancy, you know, when it comes to how we train and what we do, in the way of our skills, um, you know, you you have a you have a son that's a marine. There's no substitute. Oh, how, how many times? How many times do you think Marines practice? What do they say? 
Every sailor is a firefighter. Every Marine's a rifleman. The commandant on down is a rifle. How many times do you think they shoot their rifle? Hey, how many times you got it, Scott? Ten times? Good. You're good. Go ahead. We're taking Afghanistan. No, 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 no. It is, I mean, it is, I'm, let's go back to what a lot of guys can equate to, the NFL. Yeah. You know, it, they, they, they practice the same plays hundreds, if not thousands of times, the same moves, everything. By the way, to a people that don't think roll call is important in the morning, they still call the huddle unless they're in a hurry up offense. They still get together and talk before they 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 do anything. But but that being said, I mean those those players practice and practice, and yet they they you know I mean if you think you're going to do that, um, you know that being being part of the team, not part of the furniture. If you think and and, just... and, and and play at a high level at a professional level. You know, Gordon Graham sent me a book, and I don't want to take a lot of time, but he sent me a book called Going Pro by Tony Kearns. You, you know, we love Gordon Graham. And in there, it there you go. <laughs> and he talks about three levels of professional, right? He, a level one is competent enough to be a member if you're a volunteer or earn a paycheck. A level two professional will fit into wherever you put him. You put him in a high-performance engine company, he's going to be a high performer. You put him in a cuckoo's nest, he's going to become a cuckoo bird. A level three <laughs> professional if we're going to say we're professionals, the highest level of professionalism is committed to continual improvement. That's right from Tony Kearns and going pro, you know. So if we're going to say we're professionals, then we're constantly learning. We're constantly, especially in this day and time, when new stuff comes out every day with, with the UL stuff and the firefighter rescue surveys and, and God rest his soul, what was going on with Project Mayday and Don Abbott. I mean, every day there's something new. There's no excuse. And Scott, by, you look my at opinion. Well, you look at some of our our buddies, our circle of friends we run with, and and people like Captain Bill Gustin from Miami, you know Metro Dade, and you look at you Bill, and you look at John Salk, and you look at those guys, and you go to a conference, and you know they're done teaching or whatever, and and Joe Shit the Ragman's up there teaching somebody else, you know what I'm saying? They're up there, and you look in the front row, not in the back row, you look at the front row, and there's Bill Gustin with a pad of paper taking notes. I just had John Norman sit through my class in Pensacola. John Norman sit my class. I was like, I was, I, I almost panicked. I had anxiety. So but he was so, there taking notes. <laughs> so what? I know that anxiety. Tom Brennan did that to me once. What? So what's the excuse for the rest of them that don't think they need to train? You know, like we said, why? You know, as we used to tell the company officers, why would you not want to train your people for a job that could kill them? You know, I don't understand why you don't, you, you're not out there going, guys, 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 come here, guys, come here. You know, and, and who doesn't want to have fun? It doesn't mean you have to be crawling through tunnels all the time and you don't have to be all smoked up. But sometimes just sit and have it. You and I love the tabletop. Sometimes you grab a cup of sit down, guys, come here. Let's talk about let's that fire. Talk, let's have a whiteboard or a magazine oh. cover. And let's talk about tactics, strategy, building construction, fire behavior. Exactly. Let's talk about, I mean. We're just, riding back from a call. Hey, what type building is that? You know, what? what I, oh, my sure. engine, Wichita West, smaller volunteer department, a great fire department. I got a great boss at Ryan Fetzer. And I can't tell how many times I, I sit sideways. I, I ride side saddle in the front seat because I'm always going, we're always talking. And, you know, you and I and the guys we run with, we, we love taking every and, and, and moment and turning it into a teaching moment. What can we talk about? What can we learn? Um, and again, I, I always go back to that word competitiveness, the, the when we talk about, and you've heard me say this about, I use it in my pride and ocean class, the, the definition of pride, which is something you can't explain from the outside looking in, the inside looking out, that pride is a personal commitment. There are no such thing as proud teams. There are proud individuals that make up excellent teams, but I'm not the best at math because I went to public school, but shit plus shit equals shit. 
All right. You put, you put, you put great people that are in the job on the same team, you end up with great teams. It's what separates excellence from mediocrity. But but the competition you have is not with anybody else. So I put that 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 definition up. The competition is with yourself. We talked about this before. The bar you raise is not for we're going to raise the bar for people to follow. No, the you said it earlier about about getting better. The bar you raise is for yourself. It's like, okay. Now what do I have to do to be better? Be the best version of yourself. And anybody can do it, but it takes some work. Exactly. What do I have to do to be the best I could be and then not be satisfied? I would tell people never be satisfied. Never going to be perfect. We're never, never we're never. Yeah. Never be satisfied, man. Just, you know, what do I have to do to be better at what I'm doing? You know, and, and you and I have been doing this a long time. So we have to. And I learn something every day, Rick. Every time I talk to you, John, Curtis, every time I learn something. Curtis oh. is up here. We were at the truck yard having cocktails, talking fire. And I, you know, spent two hours with Curtis. I learned stuff. Oh, it's the the, the people we run with. I mean, we got a great conference coming up here, F, FDIC, mm-hmm. that, that we both teach at and hang out and everything else. But um, when you when you think you get to a point where you know it all, and I've said this for, for decades, know-it-alls and perfect people get you hurt and killed. But even more so, the higher up you climb on that, that, that ladder of responsibility from company officer you know, to the battalion chief, maybe a shift commander position to a deputy. When you make chief of department, you know, I, some of these guys use the excuse, well, that's what I'm a staff for. I don't have to go to fires anymore. Well, I'm not saying you have to, have to go to every dumpster fire. But secondly, I, we tell some of the BC, Scott, if you don't get out once in a while and, and drive by and see how you guys are doing in an accident scene or at a dumpster fire, how do you know they're wearing their shit? You know, how do you know that they're they're parked the right way at, at an MVA blocking? How do you know they have their, how do you know not that you're micromanaging. That's not micromanaging. That's called supervising. Once in a while, you just have to drive by to make sure, you know, because- and every company in the world has a checks and balance system to do that. It's it's not micromanaging. It's investing in your people. It's saying, hey, you know, everybody gets a little sloppy. Everybody gets a little laid back. I'm going to give you a nudge. I'm not going to call you out. I'm just going to say, hey, you know, let, let's think about this. And, and this is why. Exactly. Well, so what what advice would you give <clears throat> what advice would you give to um, to a chief? Uh, we've been talking about getting getting to city hall and fighting for our people, or for for other staffing, more apparatus, uh, training facilities, things that you know. Some places you're lucky; you just go in and ask for stuff, and they go, "Okay, go ahead." A lot of a lot of places don't have that luxury. You have to really go in there and fight and plan and have a strategy, you know. And sometimes it takes year after year. Perseverance pays off, right? those kinds of things um, to get some of these bosses to let their guys play firefighter, let, you know, everything we just talked about from writing assignments to, I don't know, trust them or whatever. But what would you say if you had a bunch of chiefs just having coffee with at a conference and some of those hesitancies came up and they said, Scott, how do I change that? Or what do I do? Rick, I always tell everybody, the first thing you got to do is to be able to define success, what it looks like. If you don't know what, success looks like what do we work towards every day and and you know i always say go out to your deer stand or you know smoke your cigar drink your bird whatever you do with a blank piece of paper and really if i'm a fire chief and somebody comes up to me and says uh, scott thompson what does success look like in the colony fire department i don't have an answer for that other than five minute res- response times under five minutes that, that's that's not very invested the second thing i would say understand the job that a majority of your organization is doing which are the firefighters, right? They're the biggest part of it. Now, again, you don't have to be the best at pulling hose, the fastest throwing ladders, but understand the job so you can support them 
and you can communicate to those leaders what the men and women in the organization are doing every day, the fights they're fighting, the challenges. And, 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 then, and then as you get momentum, when you recognize right, put that feedback and say, yeah, we're going in the right direction when we're not have the courage and the knowledge because you know what they're doing to make correction and get back on the right track. And, and if you're going out and try to hire the best firefighters, you do a written test and a PAT and background, you want to hire the best firefighters, it's what you said. When you hire them and get them on board, let them be firefighters. Don't try to change them and make them right. something else. Right. It just, it, it just you know, and you made me think of something else. Um, you know, we both know Tommy Richardson was ended up retiring as chief of department in New York City. Now he's been a volley on Long Island, commissioner of department. Well, he made chief of department. One of the first things he did, Scott, if you remember, was he he actually went out and rode an ambulance for 24 hours. He actually went out and said, all right, you've been talking about this. I want to see firsthand. He went and rode with battalion chiefs. He, this is the five-star, you know, you talk 11,500, you know, on suppression side. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that side. And then you've got, what, 250 dispatchers, 1,800 people in fire prevention and staff, another 5,000 EMS, whatever. But good guy. He went out and rode the, he went out and rode the rigs. And talk to the troops about why. Tell me, okay, you've been bitching, you've been complaining, or whatever. Show me what you're Show talking me. about. Show me. And 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 if the I said this before, if the if the guy from the biggest fire department in in North America can go out and do that, what what's the rest of our excuses? Bobby Hoff, who we both know, was when he was the commissioner in Chicago, he was a volley department right next door, riding for a 23 year old lieutenant backwards. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the Evergreen Park, Evergreen Park Fire Department. Yeah, Bobby. yeah exactly. This commissioner of Chicago Fire Department. He's a volley and riding backwards as a fireman. So, what do you say? You know, what do you say? Let's let's bump it down to as we're, we're moving towards the end here. All right, you gave your advice to the chief. What do you say to the company officers who are trying to balance maybe working for a boss that may not be as enthusiastic about some of the things we talked about? Yet he has or she has firefighters that want to be like they are in a county. They want to be. The firefighters, like they see, they hear about in the colony that that just go after it. And that what 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 do you what do you tell that captain lieutenant? Well, I mean, I think they got to remember first that they're agents of the city, right? You, you've got to protect the city because that's who gives you the position. But the most important thing to me, Rick, is staying relevant. And one of the things that I'm really concerned about, and I'm seeing now, and, and it, it, we'll we'll talk about um, Wichita really quick. But I, you know, right now. If, if you're a motivated firefighter, just about any week of the year, and, and, you know, FDIC is coming up, but there's a ton of other conferences out there. There's always an opportunity to go get better if you want to do it. But if you're the old salty guy or the company officer says, I don't have to do that anymore, yet your firefighters are going out every chance they get and they're learning how to force doors from Sam Hiddle or they're learning saws from Seth Taylor, you know, they're going to, they're not going to be the most experienced, but all of a sudden they're going to be the smartest guys in the firehouse. And people are going to see that. And if the company officer hasn't been staying relevant and dialed into what he or she is supervising, the responsibilities that they have, they're going to lose the house. And, and let's go back to roll call for a minute. I think it's hugely important. And I say company officers who don't do a roll call are giving away leadership. To me, that's the best time of the day to practice leadership, to set the crew up for success to talk about that vision of success, to set some goals for the day, talk about drilling, check on the mental and physical condition of your people, 
and start the day off on a positive note. You know, I say maybe Sally, you know, is dealing with a sick mom and, and she's in hospice. I got to know about that. Right. Mike's over there wiping his nose on his job shirt. I'm like, hey, Mike, you know, do you got a cold or you doped up on NyQuil or something? You know, I need to know those things. Just getting engaged and investing, you know, leadership is about investment and sacrifice. And you got to ask yourself at the end of every tour, what did you invest and what did you sacrifice? If you're not doing either, then you shouldn't be wearing these. I like that. I like that's a great point because, I mean, like you say that John always says, Salko always says, that, you know, the, the company office is the linchpin between your fire admin and the troops. You got to make it work. Oh, it, it just you've got to figure it out. You've got you've got to figure out how to be that linchpin between the two and, and you, you know, loyalty, loyalty. up. All right. Sorry about that. We had a little power outage here right towards the end of the show, but we did want to lose that information for you, especially with, uh, with our great guest, chief Scott Thompson. So we, we didn't want to lose that for you, but uh, let me finish that last quote uh, that, that I was given to you. And that was, you know, it's, it's from rear Admiral uh, Grace Hopper, who's, who's a pretty incredible, uh, uh, woman uh, with, with the Navy, unbelievable what she was able to do uh, in, in the way of history, let alone have an impact on her people. But uh, the quote from, from from Rear Admiral Grace Hopper was, loyalty up, loyalty down, respect for one's superiors, care for, one, care for one's crews. So it is about, you know, we talked about that company officer being that linchpin, being between admin and uh, your firefighters, uh, you know, no matter where you're at, uh, at uh, that latter responsibility, loyalty up, loyalty down. Again, care for 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 one's crew and respect for one's superiors is 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 a way to make that happen. Um, Scott and I want to mention to you that we'll both be at FDIC. Scott's going to be doing a workshop, I believe, on Tuesday. You don't want won't want to miss that. Anything Scott does is incredible. Um, John and I, John Salk and I, will be uh, on Monday doing our workshop, organizing the fire round. Uh, Wednesday, we'll be doing uh, the Three Degrees of Mayday from 1.30 to 3.15, a breakout session. And you don't want to miss Wednesday evening from 5.30 to about 7.15. We'll be doing a memorial, a tribute to an incredible man, a great leader, a mentor, uh, one of my best friends, Chief Bobby Halton. Uh, that'll be in the big room. His family will be there. You won't want to miss that if you're in Indy. Um, and the, aside from us being in a book booth, signing all week long and uh, doing some great things with some different people, Friday from 2.30 to 4.30, Chief Salk and I will be at the Dingus Fire Booth. Dingus Fire Booth from 2.30 to 4.30 uh, doing a book signing. They're, they're, uh, they're, they're working with us on some of the books they want to uh, uh, get to some folks out there. Um, so come and see us. Stop by the booth there. We'd love to talk to you. Um, you can catch uh, some great shows, some great podcasts uh, right here at fireengineering.com, uh, not just the command post, but with some great people throughout the week here. Uh, John and I are always honored that you're here with us. Uh, he'll be back with us next show. Like I said, he's on the road, but we had a great guest, Chief Scott Thompson from the Colony. Scott's our good friend. Uh, been teaching with us at FDIC for just about ever. Um, great boss. The Colony's a great fire department. Uh, if you want to work for a boss and want to work with firefighters and officers who get it, that's the place you want to go. That's the place you want to go. So you can catch uh, you can catch Scott if you need to um, get him an email uh, or reach out to him. He is at s Thompson s Thompson at thecolonytx.gov. S Thompson at thecolonytx.gov. I'm Chief Lasky at gmail.com. You can catch Chief Salka at Chief John Salka 
at gmail.com. And we always ask you as we close out our programs uh, to P, please uh, keep, <laughs> please keep the men and women serving our forces in your thoughts and prayers. And remember, never forgetting means just that, never forgetting. God bless our troops and God bless the fire service. Thank you. Be safe. And we'll talk to you next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.